You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is comedian and podcaster Evelyn Mock. Hello. Hey, Sophie. It's um, it's so fun that you introduced me as podcaster. It's the first time anyone's ever done that. <laughs> it's very exciting. You have a very professional podcast. You've definitely <laughs> earned that title. <laughs> That's very nice of you to say. If you only knew how we put it together, um, you would be disappointed. But I'm, I'm glad that we're getting away with it. <laughs> you seem efficient. You seem like you've got a professional outfit going on. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a large thanks to my co-host Nigel Long. Um, so that's good. <laughs> so Evelyn, you grew up in Sweden. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to know: were S Club Seven a big deal in Sweden or not really? Um, I, they were, well, I don't think they were as big as in the UK, but they were definitely over here. So I remember seeing their music videos and I remember like their song coming on when you went out to dance and stuff. Oh, I sound so old when you went out to (laughs) dance, but um, yeah, they were definitely played at like, you know, the high school kind of disco evenings and stuff, but they weren't like... There wasn't an obsession with S Club 7, I don't think, mm-hmm. um, as as there was with like the Spice Girls or with uh, the Backstreet Boys. Um, but S Club 7 were just, you knew who they were, but they they were kind of around. Yeah. So that's a good start. You know, you know the basics, you know who they are. You've seen these yeah. people before. Yeah. Cool. So today we're talking about LA 7, episode nine, which is called Fallout. And it aired on CBBC on the 1st of June in the year 2000. <laughs> and the, the whole premise of this episode is that everyone kind of falls out with each other. And I mean, it isn't a huge difference from the dynamic they usually have, because oh, really? they generally argue with each other all the time anyway. But in this episode, I guess it kind of just blows up a bit more in various ways but yeah this is an unusual behavior for them they're always quite kind of sarcastic with each other I think it's maybe quite a British thing you know even though it's a kids tv show there's none of this sort of American or oh, let's all be lovely to each other all the time it's sort of they always have to have a dig at each other for some reason yeah and she even says it in the show I think Joe uh, in the episode when she's uh because she gets a job and she's being rude to a customer and she gets called Mm -hmm. out by her boss and she's like, I'm not being rude. I'm just 
being British. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is such a funny thing because it's very accurate, I would say. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. But we, we start off with them all just arguing about who's going to tidy up. And yeah. Hannah and Paul initiate this chess game and they agree that whoever loses has to wash all of the dishes. It's all very <laughs> childish, isn't it? Extremely childish, yeah. <laughs> not a great strategy. Yeah, because when I first saw it, because you sent me a link for it and it was on iPlayer on BBC and I was like, this ran on the BBC? Really? Mm-hmm. And then I, I looked into it and it was CBBC and I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense because it is very much set up like a kind of Disney Channel type of show where it's like really simplistic kind of the dynamic and oh here's the issue and these two story these two characters are going to deal with this all episode and these other characters are going to deal with this um and so it was so funny to watch that they because i never was that the image of s club seven were they more for children than they were for like adults or yeah yeah i think this has been like a point of contention because I think some members of the band thought it was going to be quite a sort of cool band when it started. And then, and then the whole launch was like, we're going to give you this CBBC show. Oh my God. So it was very much, you know, pitched at children and that's who they became popular with. Well, I I would have been about eight at this time so I was the right sort of age for it really and I think a lot of people who were maybe in high school at the time felt like they were a bit old for S Club 7 but then yeah in other in other countries I guess like you said in Sweden you kind of knew the music a little bit yeah maybe because you didn't have the TV show it didn't have that childish image so much maybe it was just music yeah it was just music it was just like this these people who danced in baggy pants and did like kind of upbeat <laughs> songs and um yeah i never got i i guess that's why it didn't really take off uh here because because it was to it didn't impress uh teenagers i think i was a teenager around that time so it mm-hmm. never there was nothing really to hold on to and also the fact that they were because if you make a boy band or a girl band, a part of it is that they do sell a bit of sex appeal. But S Club 7 are not that. They, they're they very pretty, all of the people, but there's no real kind of, there's no selling of their kind of sexiness in it, I feel. Yeah. So that might be why it didn't catch on with uh, teenagers. And, and as you say, it was very much aimed towards kids yeah there's one music video called natural where they're trying to be a bit more sexy and it's so weird like when you watch this tv show where they're behaving like children and then you see this one particular music video where they're like writhing around on the beach and like standing like shirtless in a waterfall and it just feels so wrong even though they are all like 20 it just feels like (laughs) no you're children you shouldn't be doing this that's so weird um that's very funny but another plot point is this show is um people trying to find jobs so yes john suddenly sort of runs into the apartment and does a really weird little dance because he's got a job and Joe kind of goes, what well, as an exotic dancer? And he's like, no, no, I'm going to be a model. 
and they all think this is hysterical and like you were saying before they are all very pretty he's quite conventionally attractive but yeah. all of this all of the others are like you a model how ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah they're kind of like and it's so funny because it's like he is even though he is very pretty he is obviously like cast as kind of the nerdy nice guy and so it's so funny to see those archetypes in that show as well i guess and that they've carved it out for each other in that way except for well actually in that episode he's the only one who is kind of an archetype everybody else is kind of random yeah they vary a lot um in this episode they're all just kind of furious like yeah. that's the character yeah. that's the main character trait for everyone in this episode but yeah john <laughs> is often pitched as the kind of smart one like mm. he's a bit geekier than the others but um yeah whereas with the spice girls they were all very distinctive with the, these different personas in yeah. s club seven it's a lot less clear um and yeah this is like a thing throughout the show like people vary from episode to episode in like what their personalities are that's funny so it's hard to keep up with that's uh, that's the sign of a terrible show <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so uh john is going for this modeling job and he says to them like hey some of us can do more than just sing and dance and i like how he didn't include act in that because that was yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and yeah this is quite confusing because he says he has he says he hasn't definitely got the job yet but he says he's met a woman from a department store catalogue and yeah. she wants to see him this afternoon. Yeah. But I've got no idea when this meeting happens because we don't see it. He just no. goes to this photo shoot, which seems to be the next day. So I'm not sure why they even mentioned like, oh, I've got a meeting with this woman this afternoon because we it's never mentioned again. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, it's not, um, it's really an unnecessary thing to to put into the plot. <laughs> unless they yeah. cut it for some reason maybe because it could have just been i've got a photo shoot tomorrow yeah yeah and then it turns out bradley and joe are both going to a job interview for the same job at a uh, burger bar and when they realize they start immediately like shrieking at each other like that's my job i'm more broke than you like again there's no support here everyone is just against each other the whole time like no one's gonna agree and we we kind of get a montage of them like choosing what to wear for the job interview don't we yes exactly and i'm not sure why because it's at a burger bar i mean i feel like if you go for a job interview at a burger bar there's not going to be a dress code that's gonna ultimately decide if you get the job or not um and also, it was that thing of, uh, what was it? Because they try on similar outfits, and then they try on different outfits, and then Joe puts on a dress. And then, as I predicted, Bradley also then has yeah. put on that dress, which <laughs> um, is quite funny because, I don't know, he must have gotten it from Joe unless he also owns that dress. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just been wearing it anyway in his spare time. They've just yeah. bought matching outfits at some point. It would have been more fun if he had gone to the job interview wearing that. Because it's kind of pointless as well, because they end up just dressed kind of like how they usually would be dressed anyway. After they've gone through all these different outfits, they don't really decide on anything dramatic. 
Yeah, exactly. And then they change jackets after that. I don't get it. Yeah, that confused me. I think it's I think it's suggesting that they had on each other's jackets like oh these are wrong we need to swap but they don't specifically look like like a male jacket and a female jacket and then later (laughs) in the job interview joe doesn't even take her jacket off does she she's wearing this like big like black jacket throughout the whole job interview like she's a flasher or something yeah and also it's it's like I don't, they didn't need to change jackets really. I thought they, they suited them, what they came out with first. Yeah, it's confusing. It's, <laughs> it made, it would maybe, it would have made more sense if John had had a montage choosing an outfit because he's yeah. going for the modeling interview, the modeling interview that we never see. Exactly. It's so confusing. It's really confusing. Guys, guess what? I think I just got a job. What, as an exotic dancer? No, as a model. <laughs> Can you say that again? Because I could have just swore you said model. I did. You? Yes. You? Yes. You? Yes, Bradley. Some of us can do more than just sing and dance. Some of us have hidden talents. Must be very hidden. Oh, don't be nasty. So who are you modelling for? Well, I haven't definitely got the job yet, but I met this woman from a catalogue for a big department store and she said she wants to see me this afternoon. Oh, well done. Thank you. Well done. But I think I'd better go and get ready for my job interview then. Yeah, me too. What job are you going for? Buddy's Burger Bar. I'm going for that one. I saw it first. No, you didn't. I did. Listen, Joe, I really need this job. I am broke. Oh, what? And I ain't. Guys, calm down. I'm sure there's more than one job there. You'll be fine. You're the better Abby. So they both leave for the interview and they're kind of pushing each other around at the door. They leave and then in the living room, John is trying to prepare for this modeling thing. Yeah. And they start kind of throwing these different poses at him. Like Tina is the first one. She kind of goes, do a pose that's relaxed but cheeky. And they throw all these different things at him. Like one of them is sad but cheerful. And he just kind of like points and sort of waggles his fingers yeah to be fair i think this is some of john's best acting work like he is trying here bless him (laughs) do you think that they actually got took acting classes to do this show i would say before series one i think definitely no but this is series two and i do think there is a bit of a step up but that could have just been a natural thing anyway like there's a few behind the scenes videos about series two and joe literally says oh i think this series is a lot better (laughs) so i think they know that series one wasn't great but uh yeah this is the series they thought was better apparently and they and i think they say stuff like oh we're more comfortable in front of the cameras now so it would have been wise if they'd had acting lessons but maybe they just thought nah it'll be fine (laughs) i'd like to know really that's so funny yeah i would love to know that too because it is a big thing to get the kind of to get into a band first of all but then also to get a tv show on top of that like i was just when i was watching that i was just kind of wondering like how much these people like how much money do they have now like, did they make any money in S Club 7? Is just what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, not, not much. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has been talked about because they had this manager who put them together. And apparently the rumor is that he 
kept a lot of the money oh, and no. people kind of say that's maybe one of the reasons why they decided to break up after like four years I think a combination of that and they did get worked really hard like they did four tv series and four albums in like four years wow. so they had to do a, a lot of work and then apparently didn't get a huge amount of money like in comparison to what they could have but yeah, back, back to the acting thing. It's just, it is weird that they put this band together. And as far as I know, they auditioned them all, you know, on singing ability. Like I don't, mm. I haven't heard about any acting auditions taking place. That it seems weird that that wasn't part of the equation when they were putting the band together, if they were planning on doing this TV show from the start. Like we need people who can act as well as sing. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, that's really, really funny. I guess it's like, I feel so bad for, because you can tell that they're just like doughy-eyed or wide-eyed kind of young um, mm-hmm. kids who, who just want an opportunity and they walk into this and then they're made to do all of these things that, quite frankly, doesn't make them look great <laughs> and and uh, and then walk away with nothing, which is such a shame. I I just got because I I know we're sorry I know we're supposed to talk about the show but I just got really curious about like where are they today how are they doing like how how is everybody because I feel like it that could have been a traumatic kind of experience for for them yeah because at the time they were just everywhere in the UK especially they were massive Uh for quite a short period of time when you think about it now because it was only like four or five years and then yeah I guess I think some of them some of them tried to do solo stuff some of them are doing some things now like Hannah is an actor now Um, and I think some of them are still doing solo music but I'm not sure how much interest there is from the audience really because like we were saying before they were pitched for children so it's kind of like what do they do now that they're all sort of a middle-aged you know they did do a sort of reunion tour a few years ago which I think I think that was quite successful but yeah it is weird like I'll send you a video afterwards but they did this performance on like a sort of charity event on tv um maybe about five years ago doing all these songs but obviously they're all now like 40 and it, it just feel it, it just feels wrong because like then they're just not naturally not as energetic as they used to be That's some so of funny. the singing isn't that you know strong yeah exactly it's um yeah it's such a I, uh, it just it breaks my heart really because they had a dream and it it wasn't it didn't go right <laughs> kind of yeah. well I guess that ties into this modeling thing for John because it doesn't yes. go very well, does it? Um, he's trying out all these different poses and Tina weirdly tells him that every different style of clothing has a different pose. So she gives him a magazine and kind of says, go away and practice. And I yeah. mean, is she like, is she trolling him or does she genuinely think that every style of clothing has a different pose? It's so bizarre. It's really bizarre. It's so... Um... It's very, very funny because it's it's so random as well when he does it because he then comes back after he's practiced and he does all these poses. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so funny because just by looking at it, I couldn't tell what he was modeling. He was just doing a lot of silly stuff. 
Um, and but they've put it up as if this is a thing. And yeah, they all guess correctly, don't they? They just yeah. know every time, like, oh, it's pajamas, but there's n- this is a weird universe that this show set in. It's like I, d- I couldn't have guessed any of those. No, exactly. Yeah, it's such a random. That's such a random kind of comedic moment, I guess, that they want to that they want to convey there. And it's sort of like I know it's for kids, but at the same time. It's very patronizing, <laughs> which I guess is what we do to kids. But yeah, it feels very, very silly with the with the clothes poses. Um, and then he actually ends up just when he goes to the modeling thing, he ends up realizing that he does some of the poses and the director is like, no, we're you're not modeling the pajamas because he's dressed in pajamas. And he finds out that he's modeling to be the pre-face uh, for a zit cream. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets very sad. But then the way that they want to show zits is that it's just a makeup lady drawing like <laughs> yeah. red circles on his face with like a lip liner. <laughs> it's not very advanced makeup, is it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's such a weird... <laughs> It's such a weird uh, uh, trick with the with the makeup with the round uh, yeah. things. And I love how he goes in and he, he sort of introduces himself to the photographer and says, "Oh, I'm the model." And the photographer looks at him and goes, "People are just warm props to me." Yeah, <laughs> like he's clearly like a serial killer or something. That was just such a an out there line like yeah i think i'm gonna use that in the future like people are just warm props to me i don't care yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh hi I, i'm the model model <laughs> people are just warm props to me nice well um i need my costume and i'm ready to go okay mr warm prop over here come on put your head on your hand like this there you go great Slouch your shoulders a little bit. Good, good. Hold that. <laughs> I think you'll find this is the casual wear pose. The um, the pajama pose is a bit more kind of like this. You're not modeling the pajamas, Tiger. Makeup. So um, what am I modeling then? You're the geeky before guy. And a spot cream ad. Okay, people, we're working. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We come to the the job interview at the burger bar, Mm -hmm. and they're sort of, Bradley and Joe are both being interviewed at the same time by different people, which doesn't seem very fair. Like it's not very uh, unbiased, but um, Joe is doing a lot better than Bradley is because she's 
listing all of these qualities like oh i'm punctual and i'm, I'm clean and that sort yeah. of thing whereas bradley can only come up with the fact that he likes burgers yeah and i quite like how initially the woman interviewing him she's trying to be quite encouraging and then after a while her face just turns to like pity like she definitely thinks like he's got the mental age of a five-year-old or something she's just looking at him like oh dear yeah exactly but then afterwards when they're making their decision she still wants to hire him like she yeah because she's arguing with her husband who interviewed joe who is obviously the better candidate they they're bickering about who to hire and her husband just goes please let me just choose the person that i've chosen um <laughs> which you know tells us that that lady still wanted to hire bradley yeah she's kind of going like oh he's so cute or something like that isn't she yeah like, which doesn't seem like a good reason to hire someone like can you imagine if they had hired bradley to be behind the bar well i mean joe doesn't do very well either but bradley would have just like not being able to function yeah exactly he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't be able to understand what people were wanting even though that's also what joe what happened with joe eventually so Joe Joe gets offered the job, but they, they obviously tell Bradley, oh, we do have another job that you can do. So we cut to him like dressed as a hot dog and Joe is just sort of pointing and laughing at him, isn't she? In a, yes, in a very kind of mature way. Yeah, in a very forced way where yeah. she's clearly seen him in the outfit before. There was no like, there was no, um, oh, we'll keep it as a surprise. So the laugh is genuine. She's just like, ha, 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 ha. Um, and then meanwhile, back at the apartment, their landlady comes round, and they're all just kind of lying around in their own filth. Nobody's tidied up yet. The game of mm. chess is still going on. Mm -hmm. And she says to them, oh, you need to make a, ch a cleaning schedule. And Paul is so like patronizing. He goes, oh, but we couldn't decide whose turn it was to write the cleaning schedule like oh the, it's that's the right way to pronounce it because it's the british way like that yeah. was so uncalled for by paul <laughs> well and at the same time it's like because i read about it it's the lady who played the girl in the exorcist so yes. i'm like i feel like you need to have a bit more respect for the lady who played the girl in the exorcist yeah she's an, an oscar nominee yes exactly <laughs> show some respect yeah. And she, but she's a little bit harsh to them here because she says an important rule of showbiz is knowing when to give up. And she's talking <laughs> about how <laughs> she's good being cruel to be kind. She's talking about how they came to LA to find fame and fortune and they don't seem to be doing anything. And she kind of puts her foot down and says, if you want to carry on living here in my apartment, you have to keep it tidy and pay your rent on time. And they all just kind of roll their eyes like, oh, that's so boring. This is the bit where John is like doing all of his poses and Paul goes off on a weird tangent that's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm not gay. Like it's one of those early 2000s things where he's kind of like, yeah. Oh, I mean, you, you, you could be a model, but I mean, like, you know, not that I would say that about you anyway, because I'm a bloke and it's, it's so cringe. It's like, um, when you watch Friends now and there are occasionally moments like that, like, oh, we're not gay. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't age well that. And I, I don't know where, when was that ever funny, you know, <laughs> mm. kind of, um, 
but it is such a such a bad uh it kind of uh angle to take and especially a kid's show this is a kid's mm-hmm. show so it's like it's doubly bad um and yeah it's awful yeah Paul should be able to compliment his male friend without having yes. to like justify it and try and pedal backwards. Yes. Um, and Joe and Bradley arrive home after their first day of work. And I like how they all ask how it went. And Joe goes, horrible. It's like, you're the one who got the job. Like, why are you annoyed? Joe's just <laughs> furious for no reason. Like, oh, it's been the worst day. It's like you were literally fighting over this job this morning and now you already hate it after one day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's like her thing to be angry because she seems to be. And then again, I don't want to like be like go down the trope of like angry woman, but she is quite angry throughout the show. Yeah, that is quite a consistent thing, actually. I think she's a bit of a... I don't like the word tomboy. It's quite early 2000s, but she's that kind of persona where she's a bit sort of boyish and aggressive. Like, what we see later, she beats up Bradley, doesn't she? Like, I don't think any of the other girls would have been given that to do. Yeah, Um, exactly. I, I quite like this bit when Bradley says to her, oh, well, at least you didn't have to walk around all day dressed like a giant wiener. And Joe says to him, isn't that what you do every day? Which is quite (laughs) a good burn, I think. That is a very good burn. Very, very funny. And it's just like she, it's it's quite funny to me because I don't know if she, I was watching the show and Joe especially has a really thick kind of, is it Essex accent? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A really thick one. And then, um, the customers, all of the Americans really just sound like they have an over-the-top American accent. And I don't know if it's that they've been asked to put it on or if it just sounds that way because of how kind of clashing their accents are, the the English one uh, compared to the American one. Yeah, the, the customers in particular sound like they're kind of almost like British people putting on an American accent, but I don't yeah. think they are. I think I looked I looked it up and I think they are American. You know, they did shoot it in uh. America, but um, it does seem very over the top and probably not how they would speak in real life. Like, it's interesting because this show did air in America as well. I think oh. on a channel called Fox Family or something. So oh, yeah. I do wonder what the Americans thought of it. Like maybe I'll have to try and get an American guest on here at some point who watched it at the time because yeah. I want to know what they thought, like how the Americans are presented in the show and yeah, whether they could understand all of the British accents as well. Cause I know um, they sometimes struggle with that. Like um, have you watched I May Destroy You? I haven't yet. No. Uh, it's amazing but it's um that's on i think hbo or something in america and i've seen a lot of americans tweeting that they can't understand what anyone's saying really it's like it's a pretty normal sort of london accent but they have to have subtitles on and that sort of thing so i wonder if they could understand joe very well that's funny that's really funny so joe gets into an argument with a customer before that, we see Bradley's just kind of, he's dressed as a hot dog. He's outside holding mm. a sign for the burger bar. His job is to just try and get customers in, isn't it? Mm. But they're just ignoring him. 
Possibly because it's, you know, a burger bar and he's dressed as a hot dog, which, so they yeah. might be confused. <laughs> and it's got, there was like really weird music as well, wasn't there? Like it sounded like an organ or something, which stood yeah. out as well, because usually when there's background music in this show, it's like an S Club song. So it was weird. It just had this weird little sort of organ track while he's like rolling around on the floor dressed as a hot dog. That's so funny because I was thinking that um, this show is just a way for them to advertise their music because <laughs> yeah. every time it was just like uh, every scene change and everything. It was just like S Club. Yeah, when that organ music came on, it was a bit of a throw off. Um, and also, like, you would avoid a person dressed as a giant hot dog. You wouldn't go near them. It's such a bad way of advertising. Yeah, it's not a great strategy. And mm. yeah, it, the music brings up all sorts of questions as well, because when they're in the bu the burger bar, their own music seems to be playing, like, in the burger bar. So really? it's very... It's a, a weird universe that they're in, where their, their music is just everywhere, but they're not a famous band. <laughs> That's so funny. And also, I wondered, like, just for the show, why would that be the concept that they're not a famous band? Wouldn't it be more interesting yeah. that they were a famous band and then you just get to follow them around doing concerts and stuff? Kind of like Hannah Montana-ish, that type of vibe. But it, it's so funny that they chose to not be a famous band in the show that they've created that's about their band it's a strange idea because in particular in series one the concept was they were working at a really like rubbish hotel and they were performing at the hotel in the evening but during the day they were like cleaning and you know all that sort of thing so it was it wasn't very aspirational it was like they're a really struggling band and then in this series it's slightly more glamorous just because they've got an apartment together i suppose rather than they're living at a hotel but yeah it is a strange choice like oh yeah we're going to launch this band but make them look like they're all slobs and like just living in a really dirty apartment yeah exactly it's like um they're kind of like those uh workers holiday workers in mallorca who go yeah. and just perform for um uh, the charter kind of tourists and stuff yeah yeah that's so funny joe's argument with the customers is a bit confusing as well because I, I don't understand whether the customers are ordering real items off the menu and Joe just like hasn't read the menu so she doesn't know what they are or yeah. are these customers just talking nonsense it's not really clear which one it is yeah exactly exactly and it, yeah as you say like she should have she should know the menu right but then it's like those are really ridiculous names to have for your meals uh, at a restaurant or at a burger place. Yeah, it's like a tall brown cow and a walking dog hold the hay. And the guy also, he lists about like five things. And one of them is Adam and Eve cremated on a raft. Like, <laughs> what the hell could that even be? I want to know what these items are. No. I guess a walking dog could be some kind of hot dog, but <laughs> Adam and Eve cremated on a raft like literally no idea these could just be insane people they could just be saying these things like they're not even on the menu we don't know exactly and they um 
like Adam and Eve cremated on a rag just (laughs) is so harsh for a children's show. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if that guy like improv that. That's funny. He is a he is a known comedic actor, I think, or I've seen him in uh, different things. Uh, different comedy things yeah i think he had i think i looked him up on imdb and he had quite a few different things which is unusual for this show usually people who who crop up for a few seconds usually have like this as their only credit but i think she she had a few things as well i think she's like a producer or something next i'll have a brown cow a hot dog with shoes on hold the hay and i'll have adam and eve on a wrap cremated Plus, a TJ and OJ a VJ, and a no-meat burger on a no-wheat bun with low-fat cheese. I, I'll take a walking dog, hold the hay, and a tall brown cow. Design a pet shop, you know. What are you talking about? Orzu. Look, I'd like to order my lunch, please. Yeah, and I'd like you to order your lunch as well. Okay. Well, I'd like a tall brown cow, a walking dog. Are you just trying to wind me up on purpose? Look, we're getting very hungry. Yeah, and I'm getting very angry. Now, do you want a hamburger, yes or no? No! I want a walking dog. Hold the hay. A brown cow, a tall one. Look, for the last time, we don't have any dogs or cows. So if you don't mind, I think you should just leave. (coughs) I beg your pardon? Get out! Whatever. It's a strange scene. Joe ends up shouting at them. She tells them to get out. And obviously one of the managers overhears her. And this is the point where she says to her, I wasn't being rude. I was just being English. Yeah. Uh, and she, yeah. she's quite she's quite generous. She tells Joe that she can have another chance. But this means she has to dress up as a burger and join Bradley. Exactly. Out the front, <laughs> which doesn't seem like a very productive idea. It's um, and then be- when they do that, they they just get into a fight with each other <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> for no reason, because the thing is, like, they both need the job, like, and they need the job to be able to provide for everybody in S Club Seven, I presume. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're like the mum and the dad in this episode. Exactly. But then they just end up fighting each other and their pride gets in the way and then they lose the job. Yeah. And Joe says to him, <laughs> I think this is definitely deliberate. Joe says to him, touch my bap one more time and I'm going to smack you straight in your sausage. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that must have been deliberate. (laughs) But they're just like wrestling each other on the ground in these ridiculous outfits. It made me think of um, Arrested Development a little bit when they're dressed up as the bananas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's that's where they got it from. They were watching LA7. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, ooh, this is a good idea. (laughs) But John John goes to the terrible photo shoot. I do quite like the way it ends where he... uh, he gets told to look at sort of like despair or depression. And obviously he is quite upset. And the photographer is like, yes, that's it. Hold it right there. And yeah. just, John's just sat his little sad face with little spots being drawn on with like <laughs> lip liner or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and it's just like, who are you fooling with this ad? Really? Like who, who are you going to, Who's going to see this ad and be like, okay, that looks legit. And let's try the spot cream. 
Um, and also he was supposed to, they said that he was the before picture, but that means that there has to be an after picture. So would that just be him again without the spots on? Yeah, you'd think maybe it's a completely different man. <laughs> like he's completely changed. Because you, yeah, you, you'd use the same person, wouldn't you, for before yeah. and after? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, bless him. Uh, we then we go back to the apartment and this is where everything I say everything kicks off. We've already had like several <laughs> arguments in this episode, but the chess game is still going on. Rachel walks up, looks at the board and goes, oh, look, checkmate to Paul. So Paul is immediately like, oh, my God, I win. And he says to Hannah, get washing scraper. Like he's just immediately <laughs> horrible to her. So Hannah starts screaming at Paul, saying that he's rubbish at chess. And I love this bit so much where she turns to Rachel and just goes, and you're a cow. Like, so unnecessary. Like, I was quite surprised to hear that. I think that's the closest they've got to, like, an actual rude word on this show ever. Because calling really? someone a cow is quite bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. It's, uh, <laughs> but also that just kind of lash, the lash out of her towards Rachel is kind of unwarranted because Rachel just kind of innocently did that. And Rachel's quite surprised. Like she wasn't expecting yeah. to be attacked for this. And the, the, I think they've mentioned before that the dishes have like piled up even higher. It's like, why can't you just work together and do the dishes together? Exactly. It has to be one person because they're all just children and someone <laughs> has to win and lose. Oh, look. Checkmate's Paul. Rachel, that doesn't count. Yes, it does. I win. That doesn't count, Paul. Get washing, Scraper. No way. You would have never done that move. You rubbish at chess. Oh, I am, am I? Yes, you are. And you're a cow. Beg your pardon, say that again! I said you! What's wrong with you? Nothing. How did it go? No, I don't want to talk about it, right, team? What's your problem? I haven't got a problem, all right? No problems of any sort whatsoever, okay? All right, all right, keep your wig on. And at this point, John walks in after the photo shoot. Tina asks how it was, and he's kind of like, I don't want to talk about it, okay? Yeah. And she goes, All right, keep your wig on. Yeah. <laughs> so like early 2000s, I haven't heard that for a long time. Keep your wig on. And That's then so Joe jo walks in, tells everyone she's been sacked. She's also got a black eye and a bruise on her arm from this fight with Bradley. And then this was quite funny when you think like, oh no, that's really bad. And then Bradley walks in and he's like covered in bandages, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Showing that. Because first I was like, oh dear, she got beat up. Like, because she sort of, it looks like she has a black eye. But then when they do that reveal, it's like, it's almost as if it's more justified because she beat him so badly that the scrapes mm -hmm. that she has on her doesn't feel like abuse. <laughs> like, um, yeah, which is such a weird thing to say. And it's kind of a like a gender divide here because John sides with Bradley and Tina yeah. and Rachel side with Joe. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of reaches a point where everyone is like, I'm not talking to you and I'm not talking to you and I'm not talking to you. Mm -hmm. All sort of turning their backs on each other. 
very immature. And we then we go to the cafe and it isn't really clear how much later this is. Mm-hmm. Like this could be the next day. It could be a month later. We're not sure. But they're all just kind of sitting in silence. But their their agent walks in and yeah. senses that something is up. He asks them what the problem is and Rachel kind of says, oh, you know, we didn't really come to LA to work in burger bars and argue about the washing up. And Hannah gives her like the worst look, like absolute hatred on her face. (laughs) She just sort of still really hates Rachel, still thinks she's a cow for some reason. And I quite like this little conversation with the agent. This wasn't too bad. He kind of, he says to them, oh, you know, Madonna was running around dressed as a hot dog before she got famous. She still does it in between jobs. I thought that was quite a decent line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that an an adult is involved. An adult is involved, yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, we all know that it's not true. (laughs) Yeah, and he also, he points out to them, well, you know, you're all performing here later, aren't you? Because they have this sort of regular gig performing at the cafe mm-hmm. that they just seem to, they do it, but they don't really talk about it ever. They have more conversations about like tidying up than they do about actually performing. But he tells them, oh, you need to rehearse and give the best performance you've ever done. But obviously rehearsing is difficult because certain people just aren't talking to each other they're kind of dancing. Paul accidentally like kicks Hannah and she like pushes him away. And Tina gives some like weird line deliveries sometimes, but she, she turns to John and goes, oh no, wait, I'm not speaking to you, am I? And sort of makes a weird face at him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all just to set up this really complicated like chain of telephone that they all have to do to to sort of like, get their message across to to the other person and I honestly was very confused by that point because I had lost track of who was not speaking to who and who was and like there's so many of them there's seven people I feel like it's like two groups like two bands that they've put together in one yeah seven is too many Exactly. It's like a, a Korean pop a Korean pop band because they always go up to like seven, I think. And it's like, you're just too many people. You don't need to be these many people. Yeah. In the UK, having a band with seven people is a strange idea. I'm not sure why they settled on seven. Yeah. Whether they came up with the name first and thought, oh, seven is a cool number for some reason. Let's uh, find seven pretty young people. But then it's also like it's S Club 7. So what does that mean? Does it mean that all of the members' names start with S? Which it doesn't. I mean, they, they're not, all of their names don't start with S. I don't know if there, is there like anyone in the band whose name starts with S? No, I don't think so. That would have made more sense, definitely. <laughs> it would have, yeah. So it's like, it's such a random name. And then they decided to keep the 7 as the thing to as the binding kind of glue and then paul eventually left and they just got called s club which really yeah (laughs) yeah paul left bless him and then i remember it was a big deal at the time that's so funny yeah and there was also there was a band called s club juniors which was like actually that was even more that was eight people I Wait, forgot what? about that oh dear they they had like a sort of talent show 
you know, like an X factor sort of thing where you could audition to be in S club juniors, but you had to be under a certain age because it was supposed to be children. Um, uh... and, but the S club connection didn't really mean anything because they weren't like mini versions of S club. They were just a separate group of like 12 year olds. Yeah. And they got called S club juniors. And yeah, I, I'm, I have a feeling there was eight of them. That's so funny. I don't even know why I'm going to have to research this because I'm now that I think about it, it's really weird that there was eight of them yeah. in the junior band. Yeah, that's that's odd. Maybe they couldn't decide between two people and just let them both in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or it's because they're children. So technically, children like two make one adult person. Technically. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> they could have, but... yeah, they should have had fourteen in the children's band, yeah. stand, standing on each other's shoulders. Yeah, but I remember they did a music video that was like a love song, like one of the boys was singing a love song, and then at the end of the video, he like turned around a photo that he was singing to, and it was Rachel from S Club Seven. It was so cringe. <laughs> I think that's why they they tried to make a connection between the two bands that they fancied Rachel. <laughs> so creepy though (laughs) she must have been like twice their age or something yeah or three times probably oh Oh, god but you mentioned before that you like it's difficult to keep track of who's arguing with who yeah hannah literally says that she says she's forgotten who she isn't talking to so (laughs) it's all just become meaningless at this point uh bradley is actually the one who kind of goes guys this is pathetic which is, un- again, an unusual thing to come from Bradley. Not very consistent because he's very childish compared to some of the others. Uh, but he's being the sensible one here for some reason. Uh-huh. Um, and this is the point where uh, Joni walks in with this magazine uh, showing them this advert. for is it, It's called like Spot Ease or something featuring yeah. John with a lot yeah. of red things drawn on his face. And actually, if this is like the next day, they've turned that around quickly, haven't they? That that magazine advert. So maybe it is later than a day. Maybe, but yeah, that that would, I guess that wouldn't make sense for them to still be mad at each other. Yeah, maybe they've just, they've churned out the magazine advert within like 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> within 24 hours. And it's just, the funny thing is that he is upset for like a little while, but then he's in a good mood because somebody, is it Joe that says, oh, it's not too bad or something. And then he just immediately changes his mood. Yeah, because obviously they all like find it hysterical, apart from him who he's initially annoyed, but then he's just fine with it. I guess they needed a reason for them all to like unite over something. And so they probably felt like, oh, we can't have one of them feeling upset at the end. So he's just, he's fine with it now. He's turned, he's changed his mind. Yeah. But yeah. I like how they all become friends again because they're just mocking John. Like there's no heart to heart. There's there's no moment of, oh, maybe we should all be nicer to each other. It's just, lol, John looks stupid in an advert. <laughs> like We're all friends again now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like kind of, you could see it as he him sacrificing himself to um, to kind of get the group together again. Yeah, in a way, sacrificing his his image. So he's the real hero, sort of, of the episode. I think. 
yeah, maybe he is crying inside, but he's putting on a brave face because he's like, we need to all unite over this and come back yeah. together. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Definitely the hero of the episode. And he, yeah. learned, he learned all those poses as well. He did a lot of work here. Yeah, he was kind of the only constructive character um, in the episode and the only nice guy, I guess. Because he only falls out with them, really, because he's sort of, he, he decides to side with Bradley because he's more injured. So yeah, John is quite innocent in this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. To end the episode, we get a song. Uh, they perform uh, this song called Stand By You at the cafe. Yeah. And... I mean, it's catchy, but did you feel like this went on for a really long time? Or was that just me? No, I felt it was really, really <laughs> long. But then I was like, that's probably, isn't that the point of the, was it, isn't that the point of the show that they just, it's about them performing a song every, every episode, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just because it's it's quite a repetitive song and there's a bit as well where you think it's over and then it starts up again and it's like, oh my God, is this over? And they're doing quite a repetitive, like jumpy dance routine that looks very tiring, like lots of crouching down and like kicking and jumping. And so, yeah, they do always perform a whole song, but usually it doesn't feel this long. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that song is going to be in my head for like weeks now because it's just so repetitive that's so funny but and also it is um it is a bit different from usual because hannah and tina are um singing the lead and that's not really normal so it's a little bit different a little bit of variety compared to usual Oh, I see. Who's usually doing the lead? Usually Joe most of the time oh. and occasionally Rachel and sometimes one of the boys will get the lead. But Hannah and Tina are generally in the background, so it's a bit different. Oh, that's interesting. But I looked at I looked the song up and it was like a a bonus track on an album so that's probably why they've got the lead because it it isn't like it isn't a single or anything it was just an extra track on one of the albums like oh we'll let hannah and tina have a go for this one song that makes me so sad (laughs) (laughs) i thought they were like kind of actively rotating the the singers um in the band no s club seven is not a democracy that's hilarious that's very funny so uh, that's the end of the episode do you have any sort of final thoughts um well i kind of feel yeah i just wonder how they're doing that's probably my final thoughts really i just wonder how Concern. yeah s club seven members are actually doing today yeah that's <laughs> That's kind of my my takeaway from this because this show is is uh, I I can't imagine that it it brought them a lot of good stuff. I can't imagine that. I don't think they got a lot of money for it. I don't think they you know got the publicity they got for it or the cred kind of mustn't have been good either. Children really liked them. Um, but that's probably about it. So I just wonder how they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'll send you the uh, the video that I mentioned earlier, but it might just make you feel sad. Although oh, Tina no. looks amazing. Tina looks like really? better than she did 20 years ago for some reason. I don't know what her secret is. That's funny. But, um, yeah, some of the uh, the vocals are interesting. John seems like he's having a good time. He seems a bit more confident than he was before. Really? Yeah, in, in general, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. That's so, so funny. Before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything like your podcast that you'd like to plug? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Evelyn Mock. Uh, same for my Instagram. Um, and I, it's the podcast, I guess. It's Rice to Meet You Pod. Um, I mean, it's Rice to Meet You podcast. It's a podcast, a comedy podcast with me and fellow comedian Nigel Ung, uh, who's a Malaysian boy. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. And Uncle Roger, actually. He's Uncle Roger as well, is his character. Um, yeah, he's gone viral. He's gone super viral. It's been a bit mad. So now we just have a bunch of people who tune in because they've seen Uncle Roger, which is quite fun because they get a different side of side of Nigel at least. And then but to be pretty fair, it's pretty much the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that he has a stronger accent when he plays that character. Um, And for me, uh, yeah, that's probably it at the moment. Do I have anything else? Not at the moment no man i'm so sorry i feel so boring <laughs> people can find you on twitter and see what you've got going on yes and yeah rice to meet you everyone should look that up because it's hilarious oh thank you thank you for listening to this episode of it's an s pod thing it was edited by alex blondek with music by william kitchener If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.